We are continuing our sermon series in this uh, called Ancient Paths. We're looking specifically today at Sabbath. We've actually been spending two weeks, it's our second week, on the subject of Sabbath. We looked last week at the Sabbath day or uh, corporate worship, and we spent last week talking about why we do what we do when we gather corporately together as God, God's people to worship. We talked about the, the, the importance of it, the value of it, and uh, so you can go online and listen to that sermon. But here today, we're talking today about the Sabbath principle uh, or, or rest in general. And so we will look today at uh, that this principle of the Sabbath, why it exists, and, and, and how do we partake in it. And hopefully, by God's grace, this will be very practical. Um, but I want us to start by, by understanding this reality, that our hearts are truly restless. At a, at a soul level, we are restless until we, we, we meet Jesus. We find a rest in Christ. And so ultimately, true rest, whether it be in a, in a day uh, in which you set aside uh, for rest, or in uh, just every night you, you go to sleep, what we need more more than just hours uh, of, of, of silence, hours of sleep. We need Jesus to give us restorative, true, abiding rest. And so we're going to be in the Bible today. If you need one of those, uh, Bible, you can raise your hand and one of our ushers will bring you one. If you don't own one, this is our gift to you. And so here's what I'll say. that we te- God tends to be far more gracious to us than we are with ourselves especially when it comes to Sabbath. And that's what we're going to look at today. When it comes to rest, God is more gracious often than we are ourselves. It's true that God is more, the most gracious being, but, but I want you to see this. Uh, here in the fourth commandment, we see the Sabbath. Uh, God says this, to remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. On it you shall not do any work, your, your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, or your livestock, the sojourner who is within your gates. For six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And so I want you to see God plans a rest for us. He's plan- he oh, in creation planned rest for us. He's, he's gracious. He's a gracious God, a gracious Father. And so uh, what, what I want, want us to see here in the fourth commandment is not only a, is it there a day commanded, a day of worship uh, that the Lord God has, has prepared for God's people to, to set apart, but also this principle of rest, that God rested. He, he took a day off on the, on the seventh day after creation. Did he need a day off? Was he tired? No, but we are. We get exhausted. We get burnt out. We need uh, true abiding rest. It's found in Jesus, but then we also, our physical bodies need rest as well. And so we, what, what Moses is doing in Exodus 20 is he's rooting this idea of Sabbath in creation. In creation. And so if you'll look at uh, Genesis chapter 1, verses uh, 31 through chapter 2, verse 3. You'll see it on the screen as well. But see, Sabbath is rooted in creation. And God, this is what it says, God saw everything he had made, and behold, it was very good. There was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work, that, all the work he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, so that God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work. 
that he had done in creation. I want us to see this. The reason why we bring up both of these passages, not only the fourth commandment uh, in, in uh, Exodus 20, but also going back to Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and seeing that, where, that God instilled and wrote uh, uh, in the scriptures and told us of the day of his creation. I need you to know this. The Moses, the author of this book, Genesis and Exodus, was not there when God created the heavens and the earth. Just so you know, no one was there in the first five days. No humans were there. The only reason why we know about the first five days is because God in the sixth day is because God tells us. We know about the seventh, Adam could speak to it too, but Adam is and Eve are created in the sixth day. And so we're, we're, mankind's created in the sixth day, and on the seventh day, after God gets done creating everything, he rests. I want us to see this. So Moses, the author of, of both Genesis and Exodus, he, he's making the point that God is, is telling us some facts about creation. And he does it in a poetic language, yes, but I need you to see that this, this part of Genesis is not merely poetic. It is not just a merely a poetic expression of the cosmos, though it is beautifully written because God does beautiful and awesome things. But Moses, the author, is writing to a people who were just rescued out of Egyptian slavery. The, the, the people that Moses is writing Genesis and the book of Exodus to, in Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all these five, the first five books of the Bible, the people he's writing this to just got rescued out of Egyptian slavery. And imagine, you just, you, 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 this God shows up. You don't know him because you've been in, enslaved in Egypt. And he says, hey, I have authority over you, and I want to set you free from these, the tyrant, this tyrant uh, Pharaoh. I want to set you free into the wilderness so that you can come worship me. And so you're on the way going, like, who is this God? This is the con. Most, most Christians don't think of, of, of Genesis as being told to a group of people who just got rescued out of slavery in Egypt who don't know anything about God. We, we tend to read it linear as if like, oh, there it is in the beginning. And you're right, it is there at the beginning. But the people who, who the first audience who are hearing this don't know anything about God. They don't know anything about creation. So they're asking Moses, well, how did we get here? And he's like, well, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Like they have a lot to talk about when they're, they're, they, they pass the Red Sea. You know, the, the, the water closed on the Egyptians. They're dead. And so they're just in the world. They got a long way to go to the promise and they got questions. Moses is telling them, and he records this, the, the, the creation account, because God is telling Moses, hey, here's how it happened. But I want you to see in this, in, in doing so, God is telling them, not just some poetic way of describing how he created the heavens and the earth, but he's telling them, hey, I created a plan for you. I created a, a calendar for you. I created a schedule for you. Like, they understand the concept of days. They saw the sunrise and they saw the sunset. They, they get it. And they've been enslaved in Egypt working hard. But I want us to see here in this, this creation account, God is setting up days and times, morning and evening. And that he sets a 24-hour day in motion. And the people of God are now freed from Egyptian slavery. And they're hearing about how God did this thing. And one of the things they hear is that on the la on the, on the, before mankind did any type of work, after he created mankind, what is, what's the first thing that happens? We just read it. It's, it, it. What's the first thing that God does after he creates, finishes creating male and female? First thing he does, rest. The first thing wasn't a task list of things to do. The first thing God did was set in motion a pattern of rest. Adam was like, this is my first day on the job. You're telling me I get a day off? He's like, yep, that's where we're starting. Starting from rest. This is what I mean. God tends to be far more gracious to us than we are to ourselves. 
All of us in here would be thinking after the first day, all right, Adam's been alive for a 24-hour cycle. He should be doing something today. And God says, no, we've got to start from a position of rest. Rest, resting in the Lord. And so in Genesis 2, God is setting up for mankind a schedule because he, he knows us, he loves us, and he's wired us and made us in, in, in this particular way. So it's pretty awesome. So God's people are, are, are hearing about this, and they're going, so you're saying God gives us a day off? Pharaoh never gave us a day off. My entire life, if you were, or if you were enslaved in Egypt, you were coming out of your life, my entire life I've never got a day off. You're saying God commands it? I'll take that command. Take a day off? And then you said that it's been happening since the beginning? We've been supposed to do this all the whole time? Just imagine they're walking with Moses hearing about this going, Wait, man, God's really good. He's really gracious. He's really generous. He starts the day from rest. We've been stripped of everything in Egypt. We've, we've worked for a taskmaster. I need you to see that this is the reality of, of God's people when they're hearing this, but also I need you to understand this is the reality of every Christian when you come to faith. Many of you came to faith as an adult. You're like, all right, I came to faith, now I'm, I'm day one on Jesus' team, uh, what's going on here? The reality is, just like God's people are having to relearn everything, really from the beginning on how God wired everything, how God made everything, for many of us, for many of you, uh, you became a Christian as an adult and you're relearning everything. You're relearning everything. And you just see, sometimes when you, when you open the Bible and you read something, you're like, man, I've been in church my whole life. I've never seen this. You can't tend to get into a, a little cage stage you know, mentality. And you're, you get upset with everybody. Why didn't they tell me this? I should have known this. They didn't teach me this. Just, as, just imagine this happening with, with God's people in Egypt. Like, what do you mean? We were supposed to get a day off every single day, week for our entire life? And no one told us this? Man. And, and you tend to get angry and frustrated or you play the victim like i'm a oh, poor me i'm a victim i'm a victim of pharaoh like oh this is why my life is awful this is why you know i, I i'm i have high blood pressure because you know you know pharaoh and like now my life is ruined god now we start blaming god god why did you allow this and this is this is how we tend to find ourselves as a people instead of just receiving this great gift that god gives of rest we want to figure out why someone didn't tell us this sooner what I need us to do is resist both the victimhood and the cage stage and just receive what God has for us here. Receive it. And so this is many of your story. You're relearning about God's word, will, and ways. And when you find things that in the scripture, like, man, I didn't know about that. I wish someone had told me that sooner. They might have. You just might not have ears to hear. And so with this Sabbath, what God is modeling here is, is something we need so God is taking a day off to model for us that we need a day off too. And so God establishes here for us a schedule, a work week, to work six days and rest one. We talked about last week here in the United States, we get two days off. We get the Jewish Sabbath, the Saturday, and we get, we get the Christian Sabbath, Sunday. We get two days off typically. And if you don't get those two particular days off, most line, uh, jobs allow you two days of Two days off a week, maybe at different days. The point being is that it comes from this idea that, that, uh, that, that there's a Sabbath. And so, but here's the deal. If you have two days off in a week, then you need to know that you get one extra day than God even prescribed. You, so you should feel double blessed. You should feel blessed. Like, you really should. Just imagine, in, they're, they're coming out of Egypt going, we got one day, awesome. Americans, they're getting two days? Man. And so what he says that is that this is a unique set-apart day 
I'm going to give a couple more observations from this text here in Genesis 1 and 2, and then I want to make some application for us. And so he says that after he finished his work, you notice this, he says, after he finished the work, in, in chapter 2, verse 1, that thus the heavens and the earth were, were finished, all the hosts of them, and on the seventh day, God finished his work, the work that he had done. He had finished his work. What's the point? That God finishes his work. He doesn't quit. He doesn't go halfway. What we see about the Sabbath is also we need to understand about the, the concept of work. We're created to image and reflect in God. God completes what he starts. That, that, that may be convicting for some. That if we start something, we should finish it. See, Pharaoh never did this. If you remember, Pharaoh's, not, not only did he not give him a day off, but, but he, he, he wouldn't even, he said, I'll let you go, then I won't let you go. I'll let you go, I won't let you go. He, he, he was fickle. God is not. God doesn't quit halfway, so it's godly to follow through with the task and calling that God has for you. Number two, a uh, second observation I want us to see here is that the day starts in the evening. The day starts in the evening. He says there's evening and there was morning the sixth day. He did the same thing through the rest of the days, one through five, and there's evening and there was morning. See, in God's scope and God's way of thinking, the day starts in the evening, not in the morning. Why? Because we were created from a state of rest. The, 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 we tend to think of the, the most important part of our day is the morning. And we wake up just really tired, really exhausted, and we're like, All right, and now that I'm here in the morning, I'm going to get ready for my day. No, your day started before you went to sleep. You get ready for your day the night before. This is how God planned it. We were created from a state of rest, not, uh, not from a state of worry and panic. So when you wake up and you're like, ah, tired, stressed out, what do you, uh, when you don't plan the night before for your day that's ahead of you, you typically wake up in a, in a posture of anxiety, not of peace, not of Sabbath, not of shalom. You're anxious. And see, you are created to work and to labor and to fulfill a mission. So we wake up and we are to then get after it after we rest. And so you see, uh, you see this with kids. It, like, any child, when they wake up, it's, uh, somewhere along the line, we, get the, we, get dis- we, get, we see things distorted because of our sin nature. But when a child wakes up, what do they want to do? Stuff. Like, they don't need their morning coffee. They don't need their routine. They're just like, all right, I'm awake. Let me do something. And then, parent, what do you tell the kids every night before they go to sleep? You need to get to sleep because we've got a big day tomorrow. But you don't take that on at your own advice. Why do you say that? Because it's hardwired into the human DNA and to, to, our, uh, to us, God created us in his image to reflect this image of, of evening and morning. Go to sleep, rest up for the day and work you have for tomorrow. Like I only go, I only, when I have a big project at work, then I get a good night's sleep. No, every single day, God is preparing for you a labor that is before you, that he wants you to wake up and get after it. And kids are hardwired for that. They wake up, my kids, they wake up, and they're, I, they're, out, they're outside sometimes. They're like, where are they? They're building things outside. You're like, no, 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 no. You had to have your quiet time first. You don't, they, they work. They just go do it. But the Christians have, have misunderstood this because we think our day starts in the morning. And we're like, our day starts in the morning, so then we got we to gotta do this whole routine to finally get to where we're ready to go. Evening and morning. I, I spent way too much, long, too much time on this point. I'm going to go over I got to keep going. Uh, so the third, th- third observation we see here is that there's, he blesses this day. He blesses this day. 
And I want you to see that God blesses this day and he sets it apart as holy and he wants us to create patterns of rest and rejuvenation and Sabbath. And God's blessing is upon his people when they do things God's way. Period. God's blessing happens when you're under submission to him. Like, so, so what I'm saying is this, that God doesn't bless, seek out to bless our disobedience and our rebellion against him. What I'm saying is blessing flows to those who are under God, not those who are seeking to be God. When we don't Sabbath, what we're saying is we don't need God. We don't want to be like God. God rests and I don't need no rest. That's what we're saying. So God made Sabbath on purpose. It was his idea and it's for our good and it's for us to enjoy. It's a gift. So let's talk about seven reasons why we Sabbath. Seven reasons why we Sabbath. Number one, we worship by reflecting the rhythm of God. God made mankind in his likeness and his image, which that means that we are to reflect God in everything we say, everything we do. And we should therefore also reflect God in our rest. That's why he says, remember the Sabbath day. It's the one we always forget. We forget to rest. We, we need a reminder that we are not God. We need constant reminders that we are not God. He says, remember the Sabbath. God worked for six days and took the seventh day off, so we should take time off as well. And for some reason, we feel like uh, we need more reasons than that, right? We need more reasons for, and, and, you're, and you're like, why do we, this should be sufficient enough. God took a day of rest, therefore, you take a day of rest. That should be sufficient. I want to be like God. What did God do? Rest. I'm going to do that. This is why I take naps. Jesus napped, I take naps. This is why I do it. I want to be like Jesus. Get at me. That's okay. Like, I really don't care. I love that Jesus took naps, and I love being like Jesus when I nap. I, really do. I don't take those short naps. No, I take Jesus naps where you're so, you're so knocked out that even after the winds and waves and you're on a boat, it won't even wake you up. I take Jesus naps. That's what I do. I like those type of naps. So God works six days, and for some reason, we think that we, we can be more productive than God. I need you to see, well, this is worship when we take a day off. I need you to see this. It's not just when we show up to sing that we're worshiping, but the mere act of saying, I'm going to take off, is an act of obedience and is an act of worship. It's an act of worship. Like any child who wants to be like, say, they're, they're like a superhero, they're, they read about it, watch a movie, I want to be like Batman. Every child who wants to be like Batman does what? He gets a cape, he gets a mask. He wants to be like Batman. You don't ask him, why is your cape black and why is your, why is your mask, you know, got these, you know, bat-looking horn things and you're like, what is going on? Why, I want to be like Batman. If you want to dress up like Batman, you wear what Batman wore. I don't understand how Christians who want to be like Jesus just can't do what Jesus did. It's so simple. I understand why we can't do it because of our sin nature, but what I'm saying is when it comes to rest, we struggle so much. Sabbath takes a childlike faith, not a childish faith, a childlike faith. It means that a child wants to reflect their, their father. We should want to reflect our heavenly father. And just like a child complains when they go to bed, that's childish. So many Christians complain about trusting God with their day off and their rest. Sabbath is more about trusting God than you may have thought. Sabbath is more about being like your heavenly father than you may have ever realized. We worship by reflecting 
the rhythm of God. That's the first reason. Second reason is we stop our work to remember Jesus' work. So at the core of Sabbath is really the gospel of Jesus Christ. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all present at creation. And all of them, the Godhead, took a day off at day seven. Jesus Christ, when he was here on earth, he Sabbath every Saturday. Additionally, like I said, he had regular rhythms of, of, of rest like napping. He did that. The Bible records Jesus napping. And so it seems like Jesus doesn't care about what we thought about his productivity and his need and desire for naps. He was sinless. He wasn't lazy. He was more productive than any of us. He actually conquered sin, Satan, death, and the grave. He was more productive. And so Sabbath is a reminder of the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, when, when God finished creation, what did he do? When it was finished, he said he rested. See, when Jesus on the cross, after completing the work that God the Father had for him, he did what? He cried out in a loud voice, it is finished. Jesus has finished the work. The salvation for your soul is finished. Your past sin, your present sin, your future sin have all been dealt with. A failure to rest in the the gospel of Jesus Christ points to the reasons why we have such struggle to rest and cease from our work. And so, like the work of creation, the work of new creation enables us rest. God finished his work, rested. Jesus Christ, new creation, through faith in Jesus, through faith in him, we are now a new creation We work from a state of rest, rest for our souls. And many of us work and labor, though. We we treat our jobs and we we live our lives like our sins have not been forgiven. It's the same is true that when we don't take a day off. It's like, I, 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 I am not done. If God commanded you to, to rest, then it doesn't matter if you are done or not. And so often people who struggle with rest struggle with grace. Struggle with the grace of God. So, what, so let me ask you, why can't you stop working? It's not a personality issue. Some of you are like, oh, it's a personality issue. I'm like, you know, INDP, whatever, you know, something like that. And, you know, I just, I just work. I just, I'm just, I, I work a lot. I just can't ever stop. No, the issue is probably you have an identity issue is that you find, think that your value is in your work and your productivity. Or you're a control freak and you're like, something's not done. I can't rest. God's not going to do it because he's over there resting too. I got to fix it too. You, or it's like uh, approval. It's your day off. You're supposed to be resting, but you know, someone's coming over and they're, you're supposed to have fun and celebrate. And you're like, well, they're gonna, what are they going to think about this if I don't have you know, that everything fixed perfectly? And you're anxiously, you're not resting, you're anxious. And so instead of resting in Christ, you're seeking approval, or you're concerned about your identity, or you're concerned about your lack of control. Sabbath demands that your identity is found in Jesus Christ alone. Sabbath demands that your approval has to come from Jesus Christ supremely. Sabbath demands that you relinquish control and agree with God that he is in control. Jesus is our rest. He says, come to me, all who are weary and and labor and and are burdened, and I will give you rest for your souls. We stop our work to remember Jesus' finished work. 
Third reason why we Sabbath is that we connect with Jesus and his people. So then we have fun. We get together. We hang out. Sunday service is what we're doing. We, we've gathered to corporately worship, uh, but we also, not just through so hearing God's word and singing, but you're going to scatter around here in a moment and talk to people. Some of you are new. You're going to meet some new people. Some of you uh, are going to see friends that you haven't seen all week. What we get to do in this moment is we get to connect with one another. And additionally, when you have to take a day off and you have people over to your house or, 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 or you, you go hang out and have fun, you are, you are connecting with people. Sabbath was meant to connect with Jesus and people. I need you to see this. What, what we've been called by Jesus to is to, and what we were taught in the Lord's Prayer, to pray on earth as it is in heaven. Guess what you're going to be doing in heaven? In the new heavens and the new earth as well. You're going to be with Jesus and people doing stuff. And it's going to be awesome. And so sometimes, yes, we need, and what we've talked about through our sermon series here is, is we need the discipline of, of withdrawing, getting alone with Jesus, connecting with him, silence and solitude, absolutely. But then we, we go back and connect with people. We are created for both, alone time with Jesus, but also connecting with people. We need, even if you're an introvert, you need people. That's how I know. When introverts come to church for the first time, they, they, they get real upset if they don't get greeted. They get real upset if they don't get greeted. They didn't talk to me. No one talked to me. But you're introverted. You don't want people to talk to you, right? So you, you see it play out when they, they become a member and they're here a while and then another introvert comes in there and they're like, why didn't you talk to them? Well, I, you know, I don't like talking to people. Yeah, remember how you were upset when no one talked to you the first time and now you don't want to talk to people? This is the problem. We, we need people. Even introverts want to connect with people. They do. Maybe not at the, the level extroverts do. I'm not saying that everyone's got to. What I'm saying is that you were created to connect with Jesus and people. So when you Sabbath, it's not just alone time. There, there should be a rhythm of both in your life, rhythms of rest, silence, and solitude, with connecting with Jesus, but also rhythms of connecting with people, connecting with people. And so, number four, we, have, we are practicing for eternity. That's the fourth reason why we Sabbath is we're practicing for eternity. In Hebrews 4, 8 through 10, we're, it, it's, it's like our, it's likened, heaven is likened to an eternal Sabbath where there's no more sin, no more death, no more suffering. But it doesn't mean that there won't be work, but it means that there won't be the curse of sin on our work. By taking Sabbath serious, you're saying that Jesus is king not just there in heaven and earth. You're saying Jesus is king now. You're saying, just, I'm, I'm not waiting for rest when I get to the new heavens and the new earth. I'm, I can rest in Jesus now. And in doing so, you are not just embodying on earth as it is in heaven. You are, in, in a real way, practicing at a soul level for eternity. Eter in eternity, you will know completely because sin will be dealt with. You're telling your soul in the present that I am not God. God is God. He is in control. He is king in the future and in the present, I can stop, I can rest. And so when, when our hearts are, are restless, what's going on here is what we're, we're struggling to. When we take a day off, we can't, you take a day off, I can't rest, I can't, I can't disconnect. What's going on here is we, we, we don't understand, that we haven't grabbed hold of the reality that our rest isn't found in simply not working. Our rest isn't found in simply taking a nap. Our rest isn't found in simply getting a good night's sleep. Our rest isn't found in that. It's found in a person. It's found in Jesus. It's found in Jesus. And when we understand it's found in Jesus and we have rest for our souls, we can, what happens in the moment is we say, you know what, I'm not king, you're king. You are Lord. I can rest because someone better than me is at the throne. 
I am not very good at all this. You are way better. I can rest. Failure to rest is failure to understand that Jesus is the king. Number five, we need it. We need a day off. We physically need it. Day off and rhythms of rest will save others from ourselves, truthfully. Like, you're actually blessing other people by resting. Like, you, you in your non-restful state, anxious, stressful, angry, no one wants to be around you. Just so you know, they don't. They need you to rest. You're a blessing to other people when you have rhythms of rest in your life. It's a blessing for yourself, but it's also a blessing for those around you. If you don't take a break, you need to understand this. If you don't take a break, you will break. I see this with pastors all the time, seeing it over and over and over and over again. It's like every pastor who takes a sabbatical, it's like 85% chance that they're not coming back. So some of y'all want to take four weeks off, and you're like, is he coming back? I take four weeks off every summer, just so you know. I build in rhythms of rest. I need it. I need it. But so, so often when we don't build rhythms of rest, resting in the Lord, Sabbath, we, we break. You will break if you don't voluntarily Sabbath. Eventually you will Sabbath involuntarily. Not doing so, not resting, uh, tends to affect not just you, but people, other people, your family, your workplaces, your job, all of these things. And if you're going to be, especially men in here, if you're going to provide for your family, and then you, you, are, you are working not in your own strength, not, or you're working your own strength, not in the strength that the Lord provides, not, not submitting yourself to the rhythm of rest, eventually it's going to come to the point where you burn out, and you may not even be able to work or provide the very thing you are trying night and day to do, you will be unable to do if you don't do it God's way. We do what God commands, and we do it the way he, he, the way he commands it. Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. You can worship either Jesus with your rest or you worship just the day and get no rest. Number six, six reasons why we Sabbath is we have fun and make memories. This is my favorite point of the day. We have fun and make memories. I, I've never seen uh, any theological dissertation or point made upon how, how you know, the biblical idea of fun, but it's, it's there through the scriptures. I, you know, someone should write it. Uh, people are to rest in Jesus, but have fun. Some of the religious people don't get this. Uh, they worship God with, uh, they, they, sorry, they worship their Sabbath the day they don't actually worship God with their Sabbath. This is what happened. The religious leaders, they get really mad at Jesus for like healing people on the Sabbath because, you know, they're like, no fun, sir. They're like, you know, you know, uh, Petey Jones, I shouldn't get off on that subject. If you see, remember the Titans, zero fun, sir. That's the, that's the Pharisees. No fun. You can't laugh. You can't have fun. And I'm here to tell you uh, that you, we are, we're here to have fun. We're here to have fun. Have fun. Rest up. Do something fun on the Sabbath. Make memories. Do it. Religious people don't understand this. They're, they're so absorbed and they're, they're robotic. They have all the rules. They don't know how to have fun. And you know how I know Jesus had fun? This is how I know Jesus had fun. The kids wanted to be around him. Name a child who's not chief end of their life is to have fun. They want to have fun all the time. They're like, this is not fun. You ever heard a kid say, I'm bored. This is not fun. Every child says this. 
You got to read, sometimes you got to teach them what fun it actually is versus what they're thinking. Point is, they have a goal. They have a goal to have fun. So clearly, they thought Jesus was fun. But what did the religious leaders want to do? Keep the kids away from Jesus. Zero fun, no fun. We are religious. We got to hear from the holy man. Keep the kids away. They're distracting. They're annoying. They're not a blessing. They have too much fun. We don't have fun. Keep them away from Jesus. Jesus like, no, you get away from me. Tell the kids to come out. Let's hang out. Let's have fun. Jesus had fun. I need you to know this. When he turned water to wine at a party, you know it was, yes, it was to show he was miraculous and awesome, but guess what? The other people had fun. You're like, they had fun at the point of their sin. I know. Jesus was present for it, to offer them hope, forgiveness, and salvation that, you know, drunkenness wasn't the thing they should be involved in. They should be filled with the Spirit. The point is, he was there. He was having fun, not getting drunk, but he was there having fun at a party, enjoying, celebrating, feasting. God is a father who has kids. We are his children. He wants to have fun. He wants us to have fun. So when Jesus shows up, the, re- the, the, the zealous religious leaders get all jealous because Jesus is getting invited to parties. He's hanging out with the, the non-religious people. He's having fun. He's making memories. He's having fun, and they don't like it. My encouragement to us, when we Sabbath, make memories with your family. Have some fun. Number seven, learn to, we learn to be dependent. That's the last thing, we, the reason why we Sabbath is we need to learn this. We need to learn to be dependent. Sabbath reminds us again that we are not God. Willful resting says this, I am not God. I leave everything in your hands, God, even the things left undone. I've tried to finish it all. I leave the rest to you, and I'm going to cease from my labor. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. I need you to understand this. This is what we're saying is that, God, you can multiply things and time and my efforts in ways that I cannot do in mere human terms. We believe in miracles. We believe that, that God can accomplish in six days what we, could, we can't accomplish in seven. That's what we're saying. We take a day and we rest. We're dependent on God. I need you to understand this. You still may be tired at the end of your Sabbath. That's normal because it's evening and morning. You, you got to go to sleep. Sabbath doesn't make you skip all 24 hours to stay up. Sabbath is just one of the weekly rhythms you have, and your daily rhythm of Sabbath and rest is your night sleep every single night. There's a rhythm of Sabbath every single day. And so when it comes to a day off, what could that look like? Many of you work five days and you get two days off so that one day you come, you gather here for corporate worship. That's awesome. And maybe some of you serve at a high capacity so you're exhausted, you are drained. Make sure you're taking a day to, to Sabbath, to spend time with your family, to, to rejuvenate, to, to get filled up, encouraged, to, to be energized, to, to say to yourself, I am not God, I'm dependent. Seven ways now you can totally shipwreck this whole thing. Seven ways to sabotage your Sabbath. So those are the seven ways in which why we do what we do, why we should Sabbath. But here's seven ways that you can sabotage your Sabbath. We want to avoid these. Number one is a poor work, work ethic. Number one way to ruin your Sabbath is to not to have a poor work ethic. What I mean by that is overworking and underworking are both poor work ethics. Overworking and underworking both show that you don't understand this principle of Sabbath. Underworking says that you don't work six days. Overworking says you don't believe in that you need rest. 
And so if you don't do your work during the week, here's the reality. If you underwork, if you don't get done what you need to get done because of uh, uh, you, you just spend too much time on the internet, you get too much time scrolling, you're just lazy, you just you, you napped when you shouldn't have napped, all those things, if you, don't, if you don't get your work done during the week, what happens? You will end up needing to do your work on your day off. So the Sabbath does one thing, does two things. It pushes the, the lazy, slothful person to get to work, but it also stops, it halts the workaholic and says, you must rest. You must rest. The bottom line, though, is a poor work ethic, meaning I'm overworking or underworking, will we'll just kill your health and your family and your Sabbath. Number two, the second way to sabotage your Sabbath is too many rules. You just, you make so many rules. This is what the religious leaders did to Jesus. They made, God had a law of the Sabbath, and we just read it. You just cease from your work. Take a day off from rest and worship. That's what you do. They said, well, you know what? I don't want to break those laws, so not only can you not, you not work, but, hey, you can't walk a certain amount of distances, and, hey, if you, you carry a mat, you know, your floor mat, if you just pick it up, you just carry a mat on the Sabbath, oh, you're going to go into, you know, Pharisee jail also, if you heal someone, I know if someone is sick and they need healing, they cannot, God is not able to heal on Sabbath. We do not heal on Sabbath. So when Jesus shows up and breaks all those man-made rules, they get really upset. They make too many rules so they don't enjoy their Sabbath. They've sabotaged it. So don't make so many rules that you ruin all the fun. You organize things in such a way that there's no margin for your day off. You should have, you should have margin for for spontaneous things, whether it be meals or, or, or hang out with people or, or a nap or, or time with your spouse or, or a tough conversation or, man, you, I don't know, your, the, the tire on your, your car is flat and you got to change a tire. Or the other day we came home from our vacation, the first thing I see is a tree down in my yard. That's the first thing I had to do is we got to get in the yard. We got to take the tree down. Margin, margin. Don't have so many rules that, you, that a Sabbath day is no longer a gift. It's, it's a burden. Also, additionally to this and too many rules, don't be selfish. Don't be so selfish with your Sabbath that, that you're like, well, I just, I'm so tired from work that it's just me and my couch and you know, my beer and my TV. And you know, I'm going to sit here and watch the Cowboys and I'm not going to talk to any of my fr friends or family. Some of you, that was your, your childhood and that's what you grew up doing. That's a poor Sabbath. Selfish. If your Sabbath can't include your, 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 women, your wife and children, men, then it's not, you're doing it wrong. It, you're doing it wrong. Sabbath is not selfish day. I'm not against hobbies. I'm not against you guys having fun or any of you having fun. What I'm saying is that with your Sabbath, you've got to agree to all the other things that God says as well. Children and women are a blessing, man. So you know, watching the Cowboys and ignoring everybody during football season is not Sabbath. It's selfish. And so the majority of us need to figure out how to have rhythms of rest with our families, with our children. If you're like, man, I just, I really don't like being around my children. That is a hard issue for yourself. Like that's, you got to deal with that. You don't, need to, you don't need a Sabbath from your children or your family. You don't repent. You repent of sin, not repent of children. Number three, way to sabotage your Sabbath is to observe the Sabbath day without a Sabbath heart. If on your day off you're still anxious, you're still stressed out, 
you can't sleep, you can't sit down, everything you do, you just can't enjoy anything. You're just, your mind is continually racing and you just feel like I am unable to rest. You need to go back to the, the seven reasons why we Sabbath that we just spoke of and, and allow the Lord to do real heart work. It's a gospel issue likely. You don't understand you need it. Maybe you've become so uh, addicted to stimulus that you can't slow down, so you may need a time of detox from that. You're, you, you, you sabotage your Sabbath when you observe the day. You take it off, but you don't have a heart of worship for the God who made you. And so you just take, you just, I, I have a Sabbath every day, but you, or every week. If you do so, praise be to God, but worship Jesus with your Sabbath. Don't just have a day. Be worshipful with it. This is why the Sabbath principle of, of, of rest, evening, and morning matter. So like you're resting every single day. You're resting once a week. Hopefully you then can plan rhythms of maybe once a month or once a quarter, rhythms of, annu- of rest, and then maybe annually some sort of vacation or rhythm of rest. Like this is a, a whole cycle. God's people not only had every day they had a, had a Sabbath principle at play, evening and morning. They had a not good night's sleep. That was Sabbath part of the principle of rest. Every week they had one day off for rest and worship. Additionally, they had periodic times of feasts and festivals, which they were commanded to partake in for rest and enjoyment as well. We as God's people need rhythms of rest, not just rhythms of rest just scheduled in our, in our calendar, but, but we, we have them set apart and we have the heart of worship as we engage in them. Number four, a way to sabotage your Sabbath is your phone. It's probably the, the, the number one thing that can ruin a Sabbath here in our day and age. Moses' audience, they had a literal Pharaoh who ruled them. We have a little phone who rules us, far smaller, far more annoying, but uh, we submit to it all the more gladly. Uh, it is, this God, this Pharaoh fits in our pocket, and so we should remove him out of our pocket sometimes, and it's particularly Sabbath, to get alone or be with our family, to be present in whatever we are doing. Your phone can sabotage your Sabbath. You were not created to be on all the time. If someone has an emergency, guess who they call? Not you. They call 911. And if they call you over 911, you need to work on those relationships because they call incompetent people. It's true. Uh, Additionally, we pick up and put away our phones. You should create a rhythm for certain times. Uh, What that does is show also your dependence on God. Hey, well, well, I need, I got all these emails coming through. Well, I'm gonna put it away and show, like, hey, I'm on my day off. I don't, I don't check the emails here, because God, you got that. God, you got it. Have you ever noticed whenever you you don't check your phone, and you're like, man, oh, I got an email. That would have stressed me out on my day off. But it's not that bad on Monday. But if you you, you see it on on your day off, you're like, it feels like the end of the world. It's because you weren't created. You you sabotage your Sabbath in that moment. Number five, over-planning can sabotage your Sabbath. This is, a, this is similar to too many rules, but over-planning it can sabotage your Sabbath as well. And so some of you, your problem is that you, you over-plan. Others of you, you're, it's just that you don't plan at all. You're like, I didn't plan anything, so I've never taken a day off. I never go on vacation. We actually do, do nothing because I don't plan it. Others of you, you plan so many details that, that it's just, it's, it sabotages your, your rest. So make plans, make them in pencil, like have big goals, big ideas, like this is what I want to accomplish. Example would be, I want to connect with God, I want to connect with my spouse, I want to connect with my kids, I want to connect with friends. These are the things I want to do on this day I've set apart to do. I want to, here's the big idea. This is the goal, this is the objective. 
It doesn't really matter what we do. We can do any of those things as long as it achieves the objective. But if you're just like, oh, my Sabbath day, I have to have, you know, uh, 8 a.m. coffee followed by 9 uh, a.m., you know, pancakes, and then if I don't get pancakes by 9 a.m., I'm going to be hangry, and it's just like at, by noon, if we don't have our lunch, like you just plan your whole day off, and it, it inevitably won't happen the way you think it will happen, because no day actually does. You just find yourself, again, over planning and therefore sabotaging your Sabbath. Number six, resting, this is a big one, resting from your work instead of resting for your work. This is the majority of people in our country. This is what we do. We rest from our work, and that's incorrect. You rest for your work. That's what we're created to do. And you're like, I hate my job. Well, you still need rest for it to do a good job at it. Work is good, and we are to rest for our work, not simply rest from it. This is what you see. Adam and Eve created on the sixth day before they could get to their job. God says, all right, we're going to take a day off. We're resting you're going to start your first day of job from a posture of rest. You're created to rest for your work, not simply rest from your work. This is the, this is the reality of why he said evening and morning. Rest, work. Rest, work. See, in this day there, uh, in which we're reading in the context, there, this was an agrarian culture. That when the sun goes down, you got to go home. Your work's done. There's no flashlights, there's no, like, it's just done. Your work is done. So when, the, when it's evening, your work is done. You are resting until the sun rises the next morning, and then what are you doing? Getting to work. You're resting for your next day's work. And this is what, again, you tell your kids this. All right, tomorrow we're going to have a big day. Here's what's going on. I need you to understand, God is a father who wants you to know every single day he has something planned for you the next day. Hey, I need, we're going to go to sleep tonight. We need to get some rest tonight because tomorrow's going to be a big day. What do we got going on? It's going to look pretty monotonous, just like your normal day, but I'm going to be there. I'm going to be with you. And actually, I'm going to throw in some things that you're not even going to be aware of. If you don't sleep right now, you're not going to be able to handle it because you'll be cranky, irritable, and uh, you know, you, you, you're not going to be dependent on me. So let's go to sleep. Let's rest so that we can engage in what the Lord has planned for us every day. Imagine if that was your rhythm, that you went to bed every night like a child anticipating joining their father for a great adventure, if you went to bed every night knowing that your heavenly father has a great adventure for you in the morning, even if it looks like your regular job that you do every single day, know that God, your heavenly father, wants to work and labor with you. And we're going to rest for our work. And so the Sabbath principle is at work every single day. Sun, moon, so I want to encourage you to start your day from a posture of, of rest, a posture of worship. That means you, the night before, you plan your next day. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rest. I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to be ready so that I can engage in what God has for me the next day. Number seven, stimulants and sugar instead of spirit and Sabbath will sabotage your Sabbath. If you're just simply ignoring all the realities of rest, and just surviving off of, uh, you know, food, fats, carbs, caffeine, which are great and give, good, gifts from God to enjoy, but not to be relied upon for your strength and for your rest. This is what happens. We can sabotage our day off and our Sabbath when we are reliant on other things other than God to give us fuel for our day. I need you to understand. I know it's hard to understand. It's hard. It's hard to get this. 
God the Holy Spirit is far more powerful than a cup of coffee. I love coffee. I'm, I'm going to have another cup here in a moment. It's great. But I don't need more coffee to... The, the coffee doesn't empower the Word of God as I preach. It does, not, it does nothing but make me have to use the restroom right after, like quickly before the next service. Like that's what it does. It tastes good and it, and it makes me pee. Like that's all I got. The Holy Spirit does far more than this. He opens up our eyes to behold wondrous things out of the Word of God. He, he convicts our hearts, allowing us to repent, gives us grace, reminds us of the cross of Christ, that we can glory in all who, what God has for His children. The Holy Spirit is what we need, and Sabbath rest is what God provides. Don't sabotage your Sabbath by relying on the flesh. It's another subtle way that, in doing so, when we rely on other things, this is another subtle way that we are saying, I'm God. I can make up for my lack of energy by doing things in these other ways. I need you to understand, if you, if you don't repent of this soon, eventually your hormones and your, your, your biochemical makeup is going to be out of whack, and it's going to be to your detriment. It is. So I'll end with this. I used to not believe, I used to not be so convicted by any of this. I just thought the Sabbath day was a day you're supposed to take off. You should do it. God says to do it, so I did it. I didn't Sabbath with a Sabbath heart. I didn't do it in a, in a posture of worship. I thought it was optional because, you know, some, I heard someone say, well, Jesus is the Sabbath, so you don't need a day off. You know, you just, you just, this is where I, I was. But then the Lord convicted me and, and changed my mind on this. And so I was a senior in college. I was running cross-country. I had a couple jobs. I was engaged, going to be uh, married. Um, and at the time of my life, uh, it, was, I, it was at the most on my plate that I'd ever had. Um, I now know that I had nothing on my plate. But uh, at the time, just so you, go, you, know, you remember those days, you thought that's all, that was the hardest thing you could ever do. But I did, I, did work, I did work six days, and I was in school five days. And, 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 and so what I said to myself, I said, like, you know what, God? I actually agree with these things that you're saying, but how is it possible? And I felt the Lord just reminded me that the issue is you don't trust me. So I did for a semester. What I did was I was like, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to go to bed at 10 o'clock every night. I'm going to study hard, work hard. I'm going to go to 10 at, at, at every night. I'm going to show up to my job at 5 in the morning. I'm going to do all these things, I'm, but I'm going to go to bed at 10 o'clock. I'm going to study, and then I'm going to uh, set aside a day to, to show up to church every single Sunday. So I, and I was at a church that didn't even like. So if you don't like this church, welcome. You know, I've been there. I understand. Uh, and so I did this for an entire semester. At the end of it, I had the best grades I'd ever had. I went to sleep every single night before 10 o'clock, and now I still... I think he put into motion something there. Uh, and additionally, I uh, got all my homework, all the work done somehow in those hours. I got my job done within those hours. I got the rest day in those hours. I would show up to church that I didn't even like, didn't want to be at, and God was speaking to me there. It was, I was a new person. And it wasn't because of anything other than me trusting God, not just intellectually, but then agreeing with him and doing it. All of a sudden, the church that seemed like they, were, they watered down the gospel. God was still speaking to me through it. The, the, the day of rest, set up like I was being rejuvenated. I was somehow going to bed on time. We're not staying up late. We, it, it, I just, it just blew my mind, this reality. I know I should have known, but God can do more in six days than I could ever do in seven. His math is exponential. And still to this day, there's times where, where things come up, and I find myself, man, I don't have enough time for this. 
I don't have enough time for this. I have to get something done. I have to submit a, an email or I have to submit a, a, a video or, you know, the deadline has come for me to submit some of the things that I need to do for work, even to this day. And I'm like, I don't have enough time. This normally takes me two hours. This normally takes me one hour. I have 10 minutes. I have to do it right now. I have no other time. What I do in this moment is confess, God, I am dependent on you. I need you. I need to get this done. This is work you've called me to do. If you want me to do it, you're going to have to empower me to get Get it done now. And I can tell you this, that God multiplies my efforts every single week, time after time after time after time, not because I'm good at anything, but because he is far more gracious to me than I ever have been to myself. There's more mercy and grace in Jesus than there is power and effectiveness in me. And so I want you to take God up on the same promise the blessing that comes from Sabbathing. Do not forsake it. It's a gift that God gives you. It's a gift that by by engaging and partaking in the Sabbath, you reflect to the watching world that you have a Father who's gracious. So when your coworkers say, man, it seems like you take more rhythms of rest than you, you know, we work seven days, you work six. What's going on here? And you're like, yeah, I have a God who's who's not Pharaoh. You should meet him. His name's Jesus. I'll introduce you. He'll give you not only rest a day off, he'll give you salvation for your soul. See, we don't work for a taskmaster. We work for a, a gracious, glorious, awesome king who gives us Sabbath rest. It's a gift from our Heavenly Father to enjoy. If you have been set free, so now tying it back, if you've been set free from Egyptian slavery and you're hearing this, you're going, I cannot wait to partake in this rest. Christian, you've been set free in Christ from not just slavery to Egypt. You've been set free from slavery to sin. If Jesus can handle your sin problem and you can trust him with your sin problem, guess what you can't fix? That problem. You can trust him with your entire life and take a day off, rest, worship him, and trust him that he can work in and through all of the things that you did not do those days and accomplish more without you than with you. There's more mercy and grace in Jesus than there is sin in us. So what we're about to do, Pastor Alex is going to come up, and he's going to lead us through a time of response. We're going to look at the cross of Christ, remember the length at which Jesus went to save us. We're going to partake in communion, and as we do so, we're partaking in a gift, a gracious gift that God gives us himself. And so worship Jesus through the partaking of communion and then make plans to live your life with rhythms of Sabbath worship unto him. We need it, and he's worthy. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for these men and women. I ask that as we respond, we would do so with a posture uh, of worship and gratitude uh, towards you thankfulness that you have uh, given us peace for our souls, uh, that, that through the, the sin atoning sacrifice of our Lord Jesus, but also you've called us to labor with you in a posture of rest every single day. We can have a true abiding Sabbath in you daily, and then we can weekly partake in a day set aside to remember your work and, and, and uh, show that our allegiance is to you and that we trust you and there's a blessing when we do things your way. And furthermore, may we be the type of people who live with these rhythms of rest, trusting in the grace of God, working as if the Holy Spirit is with us, for he is. Would you empower us, help us to understand, and live our lives accordingly? In Jesus' name. Amen.